In a naturalistic world is matter and energy. So if there's going to be some sort of a brute fact, what else would the brute fact be on naturalism? I don't see the problem here. I don't think Dr. Fernandez addressed any of my arguments uh, for naturalism in his last speech, so I, I want to go right into my closing statement. And I want to say that if there's one thing the two of us do agree on, it's that this debate has barely scratched the surface. And since the time limits prevented both of us from saying all of our arguments, I don't think anyone should make any life-changing decisions solely on the basis of this one two-hour debate. But I do hope that this debate has caused you to ask questions, begin your own investigation into the evidence, and to read more than just authors who agree with your position. My investigation began about 11 years ago, and it's still ongoing. And that time I've traveled the full religious spectrum from a creationist Christian, similar to Dr. Fernandez, to a liberal Christian, to a deist, to an agnostic, to a naturalist. And I would guess that a lot of you probably fall somewhere in the middle of that spectrum. Most of you probably agreed with some of what I've said and some of what Dr. Fernandez has said. In other words, I, I recognize that naturalism and theism are not the only two philosophical games in town. Even if you ultimately decide to reject naturalism, you still have plenty of other choices left besides theism in general and Christian fundamentalism specifically. Consider my opponent's evidence for theism. He says he's provided a cumulative case, but not all of his arguments show that the theistic God exists. In order to show that theism is true, each of his arguments has to show the existence of a supernatural being that is all-powerful, all-knowing, all-good, creator of the universe, transcendent, and imminent. He hasn't even come close. With all due respect, Dr. Fernandez's so-called cumulative case for theism is like a stack of leaky buckets. No matter how many leaky buckets you add to the stack, you still don't have anything that holds water. But now consider my evidence for naturalism. Nothing mental happens without something physical happening. Complex living things evolve from simple living things. Our nervous systems are not fine-tuned so that we only feel physical pain when it would aid survival. Very few sentient beings thrive, even less thrive for most of their lives. There's an abundance of tragedy in the world. Many of the victims of those tragedies never feel God's comforting presence. If there is a God, he's not clearly revealed the religious path he wants us to take, and non-belief is reasonable. Therefore, I think that the evidence clearly shows that naturalism is more probable than theism. Okay, basically what I tried to do today was show uh, that there are several different pieces of evidence uh, for theism. Uh, it's a cumulative case. That means evidence accumulates with each argument. So Jeff totally misunderstands what a cumulative case is. I'm not saying each and every argument proves everything about the theistic God. Uh, I'm saying that as you take a piece of this argument, a piece of that argument, it starts moving in, the, in that direction. And that in each and every one of these points, theism is more reasonable to accept than naturalism or atheism. We talked about the origin of the universe. Jeff says with Bertrand Russell, it's just there. Apparently that's not good enough for most people on earth who believes, believe in the existence of some type of God. Uh, the continuing existence of the universe, I, I explain why it does not commit the fallacy of composition. Uh, that all dependent existence must have its existence grounded in independent existence. I talked about the design and order found uh, in the universe. And atheists are talking about an infinite number of parallel universes that no one's ever seen, 
to try to wipe out the blind faith of the theist. It makes me wonder, you know, who has blind faith in, in particular debates like this. Universal moral laws. If you, if you can't say that, you know, atheists protest to try to make this world a better place to live. Well, they're introducing uh, not only a, a moral law, a moral standard, but a moral standard that they judge even the past on and the present and the future. They want to make the world a better place to live. Well, it seems to me uh, that if that is the case, they're appealing to an eternal, unchanging moral standard. Okay? Um, the absurdity of life without God is not appealed to emotions. If everything you accomplish, if you find out that you build a bridge today, somebody's going to blow it up tomorrow, why build the bridge today? And if atheism is true, it's going to all be blown up. Uh, that's not appeal to emotion. That's just the way things are. Um, talked about uh, uh, the laws of logic and mathematics. Jeff agreed to the existence of the laws of logic. Well, that's some kind of uh, funny-looking furniture in a naturalistic universe. I mean, if everything has physical causes, how did these invisible, unchanging laws of logic, like a law of non-contradiction, just kind of either pop into existence or maybe they were just there, these invisible entities? Hey, if you're going to slam a Christian for believing in this invisible God, well, why do you believe in invis the invisible laws of logic? M many atheists do not, but apparently Jeff uh, does. Uh, Jeff stated that I have the burden of proof in this debate not so. This debate is not, does God exist, where the burden of proof rests on the, on the man arguing for the affirmative. This is theism versus naturalism. My worldview versus his worldview. Nobody has the burden of proof in a debate like this. I will not accept the debate with the title, is, is, does God exist, because it places an unfair burden of proof uh, on myself. Um, sanctity of human life. He admitted that human life, it might be special, but it is not sacred uh, if uh, naturalism is true. Well, that's why the naturalists, the atheists in the old Soviet Union and in China have killed over a hundred million people during peacetime, a hundred million of their own people, because human life is not sacred. Once you throw the sanctity of human life out the window, everything else goes with it. In theism, human life is sacred because God was, man was created in God's image and therefore human life is sacred. Our founding fathers recognized this, although they weren't very consistent with it, that all men are created equal. Charles Darwin did not argue that all men and all women have evolved equally. Okay, it just doesn't follow from the naturalistic uh, position. Uh, as far as uh, human free will, and uh, really didn't get a chance to talk about this, but basically if, all, if everything is determined by physical causes, even our decisions, then how can we hold somebody accountable for something that really wasn't their choice? It was just chemically determined. And in closing, uh, the fact of God's existence, I do not believe that it is a mystery. I believe it's clearly seen through his created effects. But since he is infinitely wise, many of his ways and thoughts are often mysterious to us. If I could tell you why God does everything that he does, then it wouldn't be the God of theism. This debate is about God's existence. It's not about attaining an exhaustive knowledge of the workings of an infinitely wise God. On those points that I spoke about, theism is more reasonable uh, than naturalism. Thank you. I, uh, a round of applause, I think, is due again for our uh, two fine contestants.
we will we will reassemble in a few minutes. We've got a couple of people here who'd like to take a, a little bit of a breather and, and uh, get have a, a little drink of water. Let's uh, let's get back together in uh, let's say five minutes at ten after three, uh, and then. We'll, Okay, ten minutes, a quarter after three, according to consensus, and uh, we'll have 45 minutes of question and answer. It's very difficult to hear, uh, you know, from often far corners of the universe. Um, Anthony's going to be running up and down this side. If you have a question, I'd like if you could get sort of over here to be recognized, then we'll try and uh, do something in some reasonable order uh, so that Anthony can get to you. Um, what I'd like you to do is to direct a question toward one or the other of our debaters. We'll give a brief opportunity to, to give a response and then, you know, like a 30-second rebuttal from the one who was not initially asked, if that's uh, agreeable to both of you. What, what's the format again? How um, long, they'll, how long they'll, add, the they'll, they'll direct a question to one or the other of you. An answer will be forthcoming, and then the one who was not asked will have a chance to come up with a brief 30-second response. How long is the initial answer? Um, I'll, 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 uh, since three minutes? Looking, uh, yeah, I'm thinking, yeah, three minutes will work. Okay. All right, three okay, minutes, I think we have the mic working. Um, down here, gentlemen, right down in front here. Oh. Um, my question is uh, for you, Phil. Um, I, actually, I have a comment and then a question. My comment is that I think that you suffer from uh, a kind of a common misunderstanding as to what science is. Um, your, uh, your idea when you were talking about the many worlds theory was that that was science. I, I think that's what you said. And um, I want to submit for you the idea that science is a system for evaluating claims or evaluating the validity of claims as opposed to the common, under, uh, the common misunderstanding of what science is, which commonly people think science is what scientists say. Um, <clears throat> that's my comment. Uh, my question is, if there is a God, um, why was he such a bad designer? Um, I could give the example of my back. Uh, my back today, and if you talk to surgeons as I have, uh, they will tell you this is a, a, an incredible weak link in the human system. It was just a bad design. I am no god but I could design a better back than the one I am afflicted with. Uh, my surgeon who did back surgery on me a couple of years ago, who thinks he is a god, uh, <laughs> he redesigned my back for me. Uh, he went in with a chisel with, uh, and, and uh, uh, he opened up a channel uh, through which my nerve goes and I suffer a lot less because of that redesign. Uh, he, uh, I think, did a better job, even though he's a much smaller god than the one you speak of. Uh, than <laughs> I, think we have the, I think we have the question here. Okay, I, I'd like to say four things. Uh, first of all, I'd like to uh, preface this with uh, the fact that I, I kind of uh, get, have gained more of an appreciation for Daniel in the lion's den. Because <laughs> I, I have the impression that there's going to be a lot of people saying that I suffer from something. Uh, here and uh, and, I, and I understand that, and I am very grateful that you're very gracious, uh, sometimes more gracious than some of my Christian brothers and sisters are to me, uh, with expressing uh, our disagreements. Uh, but uh, secondly, it really wasn't a disagreement. Maybe I didn't uh, articulate my position well, 
Um, I was saying exactly that, that this wild speculation is not really scientific. But uh, a lot of uh, people, maybe lay, possibly lay people, that are defending the non-theistic position are using it as if it is uh, you know, scientifically proven data. I didn't say and that it's not scientific. I just said it was a claim that needs to be evaluated. Mm -hmm. And it hasn't been sufficiently evaluated. Yeah, and I, I think some of those claims, it is, uh, by principle, they can't be evaluated. Uh, I mean, I, I hate to bring up, uh, to use Anthony Flew's uh, false ability principle against himself, but basically, uh, uh, you know, like parallel universes, you know, in principle, you, you can't uh, look at them and examine them. Uh, there's no overlap. Uh, but you mentioned God is a bad designer. Number one, he was at least a good enough designer so that your back could be fixed. There's a healing process in human bodies so that your uh, miniature God doctor uh, could, uh, could fix I mean, what's the sense of fixing a broken arm if it's not going to heal? So, uh, so there's a healing process there, but, but I don't think God's that bad of a designer. I'm a Christian theist, so I do believe God created the universe perfect, created Adam and Eve with perfect backs. We fell in the garden, and there's a lot of built-in consequences to encourage us to get back in the right direction. Okay. Uh, real briefly, I just want to make two points. First, concerning many universes, I want to make it very clear that I never actually said that I believe that there are multiple universes. Remember, I was appealing to Occam's razor, and I just said that if you don't accept uh, th my claim that uh, the alleged fine-tuning of the universe is improbable on naturalism, well, you could just as easily say there are many universes as you could say that there are God. And that would be providing an explanation in terms of the known. If you appeal to theism, that's an explanation in terms of the unknown. As far as having a bad back, I, I sympathize with you. I sometimes have back problems myself. And I want to emphasize that this is something that you would expect given evolutionary naturalism. We evolved from, uh, uh, from ape-like ancestors, and given that uh, they were not uh, upright, this is exactly what you would expect if evolution is true. All right, we have a second question right here. Yes, Phil, um, uh, there's so many questions I could ask you, but I feel compelled to ask one. I'm an evolutionary paleontologist, and I, I knew Colin Patterson, the late Colin Patterson. Mm -hmm. um, the, the, the quote you gave is, was quoted incredibly out of context. Mm -hmm. He, um, he uh, believes, he believes in transitional species, he mm -hmm. believes in transitional mm -hmm. fossils, and in what he has stated throughout his career is that you can't pinpoint transitional fossils within a cladistic framework. That means a, an analysis of species using cladism, which is, a, which is a type of taxonomy. Now, with, without that restriction, he would recognize transitional fossils, as do many, many other paleontologists and scientists. So my question to you is, would you, would you please investigate the source of that quotation um, and get it correct, or else please drop it, str drop it from your presentation because it is scurrilous and he has spent uh, many years trying to get away from that because that's not what he believes. Okay, well, yeah, I, uh, I would say this. I am not a scientist and if I uh, mistakenly used the quote, I apologize. I'll look further into it. Uh, at the same time, I was invited here. So if you want uh, a greater scientific mind than Phil Fernandez has, and believe me, there are plenty, you could have got, you know, if you, you, want, you want a major leaguer, you guys can go get a major leaguer. I'll give you a whole list of them. The William Lane Craig's, the J.P. Moreland's, they know a lot more than Phil Fernandez does. Uh, but this is what you got, and if I am wrong, I stand corrected, I'll look further into it, but I do not claim to be a better philosopher 
than the philosophers are here today. I do not claim to be a better scientist, not even a scientist, than the scientists who are here today. All I claim is that uh, I believe there is good, solid evidence for Christian theism, and I believe I presented some good evidence, and maybe I missed the boat on one area or another, and I'll look into it, and thank you very much. I, I appreciate Dr. Fernandez's uh, gracious willingness to, uh, to reinvestigate the source of that quotation because I, I really do think that this was a quotation out of context and I don't, I don't blame him for that per se, I blame Luther Sunderland. Uh, when, when Patterson was talking about transitional forms, he was referring to his 1978 book entitled Evolution and if you read that book you'll see that Patterson believes that we do possess several examples of transitional forms in the fossil record. Uh, he says in mammals, for example, the gap between horses, asses, and zebras, and their closest living relatives, the rhinoceroses and tapirs, is filled by an extensive series of fossils extending back 60 million years to a small animal, which I don't know how to pronounce, Hyracotherium, which can only be distinguished from the rhino rhinoceros tapir group by one or two horse-like details of the skull. So I think it's pretty clear Colin Patterson does believe that there are transitional forms. Uh, uh, next question. Thank you. Uh, similar to Steve's comment, uh, I just wanted to ask uh, uh, Dr. Fernandez a, a quick question. Um, I was attracted to this mainly to hear your positions uh, as described as reasonable or scientifically supported. I'll leave the reason and logic aspects of the philosopher's present. I'm a psychologist. Of the scientific evidence you cited, 100% of it with which I'm familiar, which is not all of it, but 100% of it with which I am familiar, was either outdated unrepresentative of the field or um, completely uh, inverted. And the example I would give was when you were addressing the research by Penfield and Rasmussen and Sperry and other psychophysiologists where electrodes were implanted in brains and thoughts occurred, memories occurred, movements occurred, uh, you then attributed that as support for a theistic position because the metaphysical realm of decision-making was not addressed. That is not what they were researching. Mm -hmm. None of those researchers you cited concluded that there, this was evidence for anything metaphysical. It was exactly the opposite, 180 degrees, that things that appear metaphysical to us, that appear uh, non-physical and are in a realm of metaphysics or paranormal or paranatural called consciousness or mind, mm -hmm. this was evidence against that because things that appear to us to be paranatural turn out to be entirely physical. So that's another area along Steve's line. I would just uh, ask for your response in general in terms of the quality of the scientific data and the accuracy with which you're quoting it. But on that specific one, I, I guarantee you all that work and the replications thereof reached exactly the opposite conclusion of the points you used in your argument. Uh, and, and I would again say now, what I've read of that particular, uh, those particular experiments uh, it, it did seem to me that there were uh, surprises. They did not get the, what, the, what exactly it was that they were looking for. Uh, at the same time, you know, there are plenty of scientists who are Christians out there. And if you want someone more versed in it, uh, go and get them. And uh, I would like to make one suggestion, though. Um, I, I, I thought that this particular question and answer period would be limited to, like, a one-minute question and a two-minute response by both, no matter who it's related to, because otherwise, because this room is filled with uh, friends of Jeff Louder, <laughs> it's actually going to work against him. But it, it might seem like I'm on the spot, but basically I'm getting 
three minutes to respond. He only gets 30 seconds. So what if we go with two minutes? Well, two minutes? we can go two and two then. It's not, as long as the, the, the crucial thing is that we wrap this thing up uh, in about 30 minutes from now. Uh, Jeff, do you have any? Crucial thing is I get on my plane. Yeah, right. And, and get out of town. Do anything? Uh, <laughs> um, we've got a question at the back of the room here. Thank you. Uh, as a, uh, just since all the other questions were prefaced by a 30-second comment, I'd like to make a comment. As a Christian theist who attended the entire conference, I would like to thank you who put this on, the, the work that you did. I thought the conference went very well. I thought there were a lot of stimulating papers, and I've got a lot to think about and consider uh, when I go back to Charlotte, so I want to ex express my thanks. My question is to Mr. Louder. I thought I heard you concur with Dr. Fernandez's commitment to the to the dictum or the law that everything that begins to exist has a cause of its existence. But then later, I thought I heard you say that time and space began to exist but did not need a cause. And, and if you said those, how would you resolve that contradiction? Uh, yes, actually that's not quite what I said, and this is a very subtle distinction, so this is probably a good thing for me to try and explain again uh, what my position is. What I said is that anything that begins to exist in space and time has a cause. Uh, William Lane Craig, for example, in his debates, I, I think I once heard him talk about the absurdity of believing that you could sit in your living room watching TV and a, and a tiger could just pop into existence in your living room out of nothing. Um, that would be an example of an event in space and time, and I agree that that would be absurd to say that something like that could happen. Uh, what I'm saying is there's a difference between that kind of an event and the origin of space and time itself. All of our experiences, our metaphysical intuitions, all of the support that Craig Fernandez and other theists have brought in support of their causal principle, I think are just completely irrelevant to the very origin of space and time, and therefore I see no reason at all to believe that the beginning of the universe, if the Big Bang Theory is true, needs a cause. And uh, I would basically respond, and he doesn't like the uh, Thomistic uh, argument from dependency, if all the things in nature need a cause, then when you make, when you collect them all together, you get one big group of dependent things that still need a cause for their continuing existence. So, uh, so I, I, I think that the law of causality within space and time uh, argues, uh, or at least favors very strongly, the theistic position that therefore the whole collection of these dependent things needs a cause. All right, we have a question over here, then? Uh, yeah, yes, I want to mention a point of agreement with uh, Dr. Fernandez, and that's that we both agree on the laws of logic. So I just want to check uh, with two premises of your uh, syllogism if we can agree on the conclusion, because in talking about the problems of the human concept of infinity, you said infinity doesn't exist except as a concept in the human mind. Then you said, God is, infin is infinite. Can we then conclude that, therefore, God doesn't exist except as a concept within the human mind? No, that's, a, that's a good question. It's a very good question. The only problem is, sir, and I don't mean it in any bad way, but you're misreading me. I said that an infinite, an actual infinite set cannot exist outside of a mind. So... If there's an actual infinite set of things that can exist in a mind, guess what kind of mind it would be? It would be an actually infinite mind. And so basically, basically what I'm arguing is that 
uh, God knows an actually infinite number of things. Now, you can't get there through successive addition, so that means he must know them innately in, in one eternal glance. Now, this is Thomism, you know, Thomas Aquinas, and, and, and that type of thing, and you may reject it, uh, but I'm not saying an actual infinite set can exist in a, in a human finite mind. I'm saying it can exist in a mind, but when we look at what kind of mind it's got to be, it's got to be an infinite mind. So I don't see a real glaring problem there. Now, if you explain me how an infinite mind can know an infinite number of things, I'd say go ask the infinite mind. I haven't really talked about the possibility of an actual infinite because for purposes of this debate, it's irrelevant to my position because I accept the fact of, of Big Bang Theory. So there would be no, more, be no point in me defending the possibility of an actual infinite because uh, I don't believe that the universe is infinitely old. Uh, that's all I have to say. All right, uh, we have another question toward the back of the room here. Right. My question is for Jay. Um, it seemed that throughout the debate, um, especially the opening remarks, you made a number of observations. Um, to name a few, um, tragedies occurring, biological role of pain and pleasure, as well as um, religious confusion. Um, I believe that you um, preceded these observations by saying that given these particular occurrences and observations which I named, um, the existence of God or theism seems rather unreasonable or improbable. Um, if that's correct, my question is this, where is it that you're getting your information from that leads you to believe that theism or God's existence would be improbable given these things? That is, how are you determining this probability? I'd have to, uh, we'd have to, to, to really address your question, I'd have to talk about a specific argument, but in general, I, I thought I answered this in my speech, I tried to, tried to explain why, given some fact about our world, that would be, uh, that would be surprising. It, it would not be what we would expect given theism. Several of my arguments, you'll notice, had to do with things that we would, uh, that I say are improbable on theism, because they are facts that would only be true if God had a morally sufficient reason for allowing them. And in my speech, I tried to argue that the odds that there were such a moral reason is pretty unlikely. Uh, I tried to argue that it was more likely on naturalism than on theism. Uh, technically, I'm, what I'm using is epistemic conditional antecedent probability. Um, uh, but I mean, that, I, I don't know if that answers your question. It's hard to talk in generalities. We'd have to go into a specific argument. I would say that basically just in response to that, that the theist doesn't have to argue that this is the greatest possible world, but he would have to argue this is the greatest possible way to achieve the greatest possible world, uh, i.e. what the Bible calls heaven, and that God often uses evil and human suffering to draw people to himself. Now, God's ways and thoughts are far above our understanding. Even the scriptures uh, state that. So at best, atheistic arguments show that limited minds cannot fully understand why God allows so much evil, um, but that's only expected if you believe uh, in the existence of, of an infinite God, and only God knows the right amount of evil and human suffering. I mean, where do you draw the line? Suppose we draw the line all the way back so that only one guy on earth uh, doesn't get saved. Well, then uh, the, the atheist would still scream, well, that's, just, that's unfair, that's, that's too much suffering because he's the only one that's not going to heaven. So where do you draw the line? I believe God knows the, the, where to draw the line, and he brings about the greatest good, which I believe is the maximum amount of people in heaven fellowshipping with them for all eternity. We have a question over here. 